you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Hi and hello, football fans. Your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you check out the Dave Damashek football program. You can watch it on YouTube, NFL.com. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or NFL.com slash podcasts. We look at the world of pro football and the game called life. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky here. Bucky is in studio. I am at home today, and we have uh, Buck Free Agency. It just uh, I guess it gets official here in a couple hours, so we have a lot of reports about uh, players and teams that look like they're going to be married, but right now they're, uh, they're still waiting to, uh, to get the certificate of authenticity here. Yeah, um, it's kind of crazy. It's coming fast and furious. We're getting a lot of uh, reports about where guys may go. But the one thing that we do know is whatever happens in free agency will certainly have a domino effect on the draft. And all of those mock drafts that we've come up with collectively, (laughs) uh, I think we can kind of throw those out the window. Yeah, throw those out the window. We'll have a whole new uh, uh, host of reasons for people to get upset with our mock drafts now, but they can't hold those last ones against us. Um, before we get to we'll go through just a bunch of these uh, uh, free agent moves here and what we think of them and how it affects the draft. But before we get there, we did have a big pro day yesterday. Had one at Alabama. It sounds like from everybody I talked to, I'm sure you heard the same. The Reuben Foster story, that kind of went away. Uh, Nick Saban had some fun with that with a nice little throwaway line. Uh, but the bigger one, I think, was what took place at Oklahoma and, and with Joe Mixon. What did you uh, what did you hear? What did you uh, think from what you maybe saw from what took place down in Norman? Uh, I guess I need to preface it by the conversation that I had with a couple of running back coaches at the combine, and they were all in on Joe Mixon's talent. Uh, I had a couple of them say that, man, he's the most uh, prototypical running back that is in the draft in terms of being able to run it, catch it out the backfield, do a little bit of everything, and do it with size, power, and even some finesse. They believe he is traditionally what you look for at the position. They also talked how in meetings leading up to the combine, how both of those guys were like, look, we understood the situation. We've talked about it internally. And after they talked about it, they're willing to kind of see how he is 
in his workouts and how he is when he comes to the facility on those visits before they make a determination whether they can continue to consider him as a prospect. With that being said, I think the workout um, was obviously fairly impressive in terms of seeing a guy at that size run four fours, um, catch the ball out the backfield the way that he caught it, and to display the footwork and the quickness and the body control that he has done and that you see on tape. There are a lot of guys that walked away from that workout saying, yeah, he's a first-round talent all day. It's just a matter of how do you deal with the risk-reward um, debate that you'll have in meeting rooms when you deal with the situation off the field compared to what he brings on the field. Yeah, I got a couple text messages from guys that were there at the workout scouts. This is the first one I got, which I referenced on Twitter yesterday. That was a round one running back workout in any draft. 228 pounds, huge trunk, carries a lot in his legs. He's got little back feet, meaning he's, he, he's got quick feet. Explosive in every rep, rare route running ability in hands. He dropped the last one on a sluggo, but easy to see. He's really natural in routes and playing the ball. Soft hands, checked all the boxes, height, weight, speed, and on-field work. He also benched 21 times. So that's from one scout. Then I got another text um, saying with the numbers, he had him, that first scout had him at 447. Um, this one had him at 451. Either way you cut it, you know, it's a, it's a really good time. Refused to run the second 40, saying agent told him not to. Look good in drills, good quickness, like his feet. He's natural catching the ball to the backfield. Soft hands, smooth route runner. He was very average catching punts, couldn't track it well. But uh, overall, it sounds like, from a workout standpoint, he's what we thought. I think you you could very well, if he was clean off the field, I think he'd have a legitimate shot of being the first running back off the board. At worst, I think he would be the second running back off the board. And now, as you kind of spin it forward, and people have asked, how many? I'm sure you've been asked this a million times. What what round? You know, everybody assumes he's going to get drafted. What round does he go in? After kind of hearing this, and we'll see how he does visiting teams. When you have you know, a handful of running back coaches there. And I know they have Samaji Pirine as well. But the fact that Pirine had, had worked out in Indy, those guys were there to see Joe Mixon. So if you're not, if he's off your board, you're not sending your running back coach and, and, and flying him down to Norman, Oklahoma, Buck. Do you agree with me on that? Oh, absolutely. Those guys are there to kick the tires to get a, um, a feel and to begin the relationship process. Because as I discussed it with those running back coaches, we had a frank discussion about it. He was like, you have to build a relationship with the kid because ultimately it has to be a situation where you're kind of like the father figure in the organization when it comes to dealing with Joe Mixon. And so you have to trust him to kind of put your job on the line when you say, look, I endorse the pick. I'm, I'm with this kid. I'm willing to uh, kind of roll with him and kind of deal with him like 24 hours a day because it does become a relationship that's beyond just kind of the coach-player relationship. You have to be all in. So I believe he doesn't get out of day two, and I'm leaning towards I don't think he gets out of the second round, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, the team that I was thinking of, and we'll, look, we'll have a lot of time to, to, uh, to figure this out, and I always, I always feel the, the need to kind of preface. We, we've both gone on the record with where we are, with what took place. Absolutely. So I, I just feel like any time we talk about Joe Mixon, it's like you always have to kind of remind people, look, absolutely – uh, it was it's a disgusting. heinous act. No one, no one, no one supports the act. No one wants violence against women. Any of those things. However, from our standpoint as evaluators, we always have to evaluate the stuff on the field. And yeah. on the field, he's a first-round talent. You then have to mix in the stuff that comes off the field, and then you have to weigh the risk versus the reward. For some organizations, he won't be on the board. But for others, they're trying to determine. Where do you value what he potentially could be on the field versus what could transpire off the field if you bring him in the building? 
So having no knowledge of what this particular team thinks of him, uh, and I believe they did send their running back coach to the workout, but when you look at a potential landing spot for Joe Mixon, what do you think about pick number 33 with the Cleveland Browns? Because if you look at it, that would be their third pick in the draft, right? They pick one, they pick 12, then they have the first pick in the second round. So you can, when you have your, you always look at this from an optics standpoint, right? Wrong or indifferent. It's, it's just is what it is. So you have your press conference, Bucky. You've got two other guys picked ahead of him. He's not your first round pick. If for some reason he has an issue, you cut him, you've cut your second round pick. Now it's a high second round pick, but it's not the same as having to cut a first rounder. So when I kind of look at where that team is, a team that hasn't won in forever, that may be a little bit willing to take a risk. Um, I don't want to use the word desperation, but maybe a, a touch of that. And if you're the Browns, you could come out of this thing in this draft. When you're picking one and 12, th- those should be Pro Bowl players. And now you got a chance to get another one at 33. Okay, let's do it just from an optics standpoint. Let's say they take Miles Garrett at one, Deshaun Watson at 12, and then yep. Joe Mixon. Um, Loss in the shuffle will be Joe Mixon a little bit because you have an A1 player in Miles Garrett, who is an A1 character kid. You have another high character kid in Deshaun Watson. Um, it is probably an easier sell to your fan base when you have those things. You're surrounding them by good people. You're doing that. You can deflect it. And then once you get after that initial press conference, in essence, you can kind of keep him tucked away. You know, And yeah. so it's really just a, a matter of are, is your head coach – a strong enough personality where he can handle it? Can your ownership group handle it? And is your PR team skilled enough to understand how to kind of protect Joe Mixon from the onslaught of attention that we can? Can you keep him separate and apart, much like Kansas City was able to do with Tyreek Hill, and some other teams have been able to do with other guys who've had transgressions? Well, look at look at Hugh Jackson and his background, the organization he came from. Cincinnati. Cin- yeah, Cincinnati. He's, he's dealt with some large personalities when he had Ocho Cinco and TJ Hushmanzada, and even though those guys didn't necessarily have – these things, but he had to deal with that. So I, it would be interesting to see if Cleveland could take that thing because on the field, he's exactly what they and several teams need at the position. Yeah, you think about also uh, on the defensive side, you know, when you had Avante's perfect, when you have a uh, Pac-Man, you know, they've, they've taken some chances on guys in Cincinnati. Um, let's go through these free agents here as we, uh, as we get rolling here. Start with, uh, again, these are not finalized, but it looks like this is the destination for these players. So as we stand right here, 9.30 in the morning West Coast uh, on a Thursday here, Buck, uh, Glennon to Chicago. Thoughts? You know, I actually like the pick, and I like the pick for a couple of different reasons. One, having known John Fox and understand how he views the quarterback position and what he expects. He wants a guy that will take care of the football. He wants a guy that can push it down the field. He doesn't want to have a short control passing game. When he throws the ball, he wants to throw it for points and chunks. And so Mike Lennon is a big, strong-arm passer, a guy who kind of reminded me of Joe Flacco coming out, wants to push it down the field, wants to play the vertical game. Uh, did a pretty nice job his rookie season when he played in the offense to kind of f- kind of fit his skill set. Uh, look, he lost his job to Josh McCown his second year, but that's more so a byproduct of Jim, Jeff Tefford coming in, wanting to do more of a West Coast system, a little dink and dunk. And then they drafted Jameis Winston. Uh, a lot of people are outraged by the amount of money that Mike Glennon is getting at $15 million per. But when you look at the quarterbacks and how quarterbacks are paid, it's at the low end of the scale. And quite frankly, if you're the Chicago Bears and you're banking on a guy who has four years of experience, you want to kind of hit the ground running, and it doesn't preclude you from going to get a quarterback in the draft. It actually sets that quarterback that you take up for success because he doesn't have to rush him to the field. 
here's my take on it. I, I look at where John Fox is and Ryan Pace, where they are right now in this process. They need to win this right year. Now. Right now. So trapped in one of these quarterbacks, and we, we talked about it in our last episode, I think we're both kind of, it's either Watson, Trubisky, kind of a two-horse race right there. Either one of those guys, I don't think, is going to win you enough games this year for you to save your job. Right. So you go out and you get Glennon. Now you free yourself up at number three to get another impact player to come in and help you win right now. And I think we'll see the Bears be a little more active in free agency before it's all said and done here. I think this is a little bit of a push by the Bears with the understanding we need a veteran quarterback that can take snaps and we need to roll right now. Well, I mean, I think I think it absolutely is that. It's hedging your bet because when you're Ryan Pace and you're John Fox, you know that you can't have another six-win season or less. You have to win some games. And Mike Glennon gives them a chance to win games. Look, he's been in a pro-style offense. He understands NFL verbiage. He's faced pro competition. The speed of the game won't be too much. It's easier to get him ready to go. Um, you have some pieces around him. Maybe you bring Alshon Jeffrey back. You have some other wide receivers, Kevin White, hopefully will get on track and play like the player that he was drafted to be. And maybe this offense is a little more dynamic and explosive than we saw uh, in previous years. It also gives you an opportunity to really set the value on the quarterbacks where it should be. Um, Don't rush out and pick someone at number three that you don't view as the third best player in the draft. Take him maybe at the bottom of the first round or maybe the top of the second round. Find the quarterback that you like that you can kind of pigeonhole. This is going to be our young quarterback of the future and go that way. All right, I'm just kind of, I've got uh, Twitter open here. So as we're kind of going through, if I see different names pop up, we'll just kind of throw them in there. Interesting one, Broncos, looks like they're going to sign, again, looks like they're going to sign Ron Leary, the guard from Dallas, who and talk to O-line coaches around the league. There's a lot of love on the streets for him. For him. And this kind of fits with the narrative I've been hearing behind the scenes and talking to folks is that the Broncos are kind of gearing up for one big run here. They're not out of it at the time we're taping this. They're not out of the Clayus Campbell sweepstakes. So upgrade the offensive line, add another uh, guy on the defensive front. If it's not Campbell, I think you'll see him add somebody else. And then it kind of sets the stage for Tony Romo, in my opinion, to come in. You're, you don't go sign these veterans uh, and then f- flip the keys to the car to Trevor Simeon or to a Paxton Lynch and say we're going to go win, win a championship. I just don't think that's going to happen. You know, the big thing about the Tony Romo signing and what I'm, I guess I'm perplexed by, I'm trying to see, this offensive line was really the, the, the biggest problem for that offense. The quarterback play was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't uh, poor. I mean, it was, it was just okay. Uh, I thought it was enough to win. But their offensive line didn't do a great job of protecting. And so if you're thinking about bringing Tony Romo in, who's had a series of injuries that have kept him on the sideline, if you don't have an offensive line intact, yep. I just think it's a risky maneuver because he's not going to be able to finish the season. And so I wonder, I hear about the love for Tony Romo and it would be a nice fit. I'm just not all the way convinced that the Broncos – are preparing themselves to kind of create a soft spot for Tony Romo to land. But I think I think that's why you see the Leary signing right now, and I, yeah. I would venture a guess that they're going to get a tackle in, as well. I mean, they have to upgrade. And then you also, I mean, in the draft, maybe you can find it. We always talk about finding a guard in the third, fourth round. You can do that just about any year. So uh, this looks like maybe the first step in that process of them addressing the offensive line, no matter who's playing quarterback. Uh, this one was interesting. How about uh, Stephon Gilmore? in the New England Patriots, which now, by the time you listen to this, you might even have seen the, the repercussions of this with potentially Malcolm Butler getting traded to the Saints. Uh, when I saw this, Buck, and they just traded for Dwayne Allen the other day as well to bring him in, which probably signals the end of Martellus Bennett and his time there. And I, anytime you have a championship team in any sport, we always talk about, okay, the challenge is once you've been to the top is not to become complacent. you got to maintain – got to be hungry even though you've just been fed a big meal. 
And what the Patriots have done, and I think it's 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 pretty dang smart. I'm not somebody that just praises every single move that Bill Belichick makes, but I like the philosophical uh, direction that they go here and that we're constantly churning the, these veterans, bringing in hungry veterans, letting guys just want a Super Bowl out the door, keeps everybody on their toes, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, you're constantly bringing in guys that are still hungry and thirsty for that title, for that first one, and I think that's a good mixture to have there. I mean, I think it's a great, I think it's a great mixture to have. I think the New England Patriots have done a great job, and as a defense coordinator told me, they do a great job of taking B-level players and getting them to play above uh, their potential. And what you're seeing, they're beginning to add A-level players. I think Stephon Gilmore has the potential to be an A-level player. I know he's a pro bowler, uh, I want to say a season ago. Then if you're able to get this move where they're talking about the dominoes falling, where they then may trade Malcolm Butler to the Saints and bring back a Brandon Cooks, you're talking about a team that is one with lesser talent, now beginning to get some blue chippers and key spots. Uh, you're talking about the Patriots continue to be a problem with Tom Brady, continue to take uh, take out his vengeance on the league <laughs> from draft status to deflate gate to any another slight that has been thrown his way. I like what the New England Patriots are doing, and it's odd because they're typically not players in this market, but they obviously have found a valuation for some of the players that they wanted uh, to kind of stay ahead of the curve. Last big free agent signing by the Patriots was in 07 to Adelius Thomas. Ooh, that didn't work out. AD, did not I, work was out. With AD, I was with AD in, uh, in Baltimore. They did some. We we used him in such a variety of ways. He was 270 pounds. He was a gunner on punt. He was a he was a Pro Bowl special teams player as a linebacker at 270 pounds, and we used him as a gunner. They would Rex would use him all over the place. He would walk him out on receivers, do all kinds of crazy stuff. But he was never really a physical. Uh, player and that didn't really fit with the the style of play that the Patriots like in their linebackers so that one was kind of an odd fit uh, Buck let's go through I'm gonna go through a bunch of names here of guys that have, that have signed how about we just go uh, like it love it or eh and then uh, and then we'll circle back on the ones we really love you ready all right got you Brandon Marshall to the New York Giants love it I love it okay. because he's a big body playmaker um, we've talked about the need to build your team and to build your receiver core to have different kind of bodies and guys with different specialties. I think with Odell Beckham Jr. being able to be the number one, Brandon Marshall being the big body guy that can make plays in the red zone, and then Sterling Shepard being able to jump in a slot and do some other stuff, they have a really balanced and complete wide receiver core. And his personality should help keep Odell Beckham in line because he's been through similar things very early in his career. You know who I want to see them pair with this group now? I want to see them get Njoku. From uh, from Miami to tight end. Yeah, I think you that's the, I think that's the missing piece. If Ooh. if they're able to get a tight end, someone that can control the middle. And for years, the New England Giants have subscribed to the theory of oh, we can just take a college free agent, we'll plug him in, we'll develop him. But for this offense to go next level, if they had a legitimate uh, dynamo between the hashes, they can make big things happen. You talk about an O.J. Howard, you talk about David Joku, someone who could le- legitimately be a threat down the middle. You're talking about an offense that will be dynamic. And as your quarterback is getting older, the pieces around him have to get better. That would be an improved supporting cast for Eli Manning. What about Martellus uh, Bennett? I mean, yeah, I mean, Martellus Bennett was there before, and he actually had very, very productive years with the Giants. The thing is, would they be willing to come up to the, the, the his pay demands? Because I'm sure he wants <laughs> big bucks. Uh, I keep hearing the Lions. I keep hearing the Lions with him. We'll see. We'll Ooh, see where he ends up going. Be nice. uh, all right, how about, how about this one? Tyrod Taylor uh, sticking with the Buffalo Bills there, or the Buffalo Bills sticking with Tyrod Taylor, however you want to look at that. Well, I mean, I, I, I like it. I like it from Sean McDermott's standpoint as a defensive coach. You 
understand the, the challenge that Tyrod presents to the defense, the opponent's defense, in terms of his running ability, his ability to take care of the ball. He has really been a pretty good deep ball passer. And so for me, I couldn't really understand why he was dangling out there. But the fact that they re-signed him, it continues to give them time to find a quarterback of the future, be it Cardell Jones, be it someone in the draft. They don't have to rush a young guy on the field because they have a guy who can serve as a bridge until that young guy is ready. Yeah, I like it because uh, I think you, he's, he's upgrade over what you could get in the draft this year. And I think, as we've been saying throughout this process, it keeps you in play for next year. Tyrod doesn't take that next step. Uh, you, you go in the quarterback market in the draft next year where we've got, uh, I, I think, what looks on the surface to be a better group of guys. Uh, Torrey Smith to Philadelphia, three years, $15 million is what it's reported. You know, that's really a bargain basement deal for Torrey Smith. I know in talking to Doug Peterson uh, during the Senior Bowl, uh, we go back, have been teammates in Green Bay. He told me, he said, man, we need a playmaker. We need a playmaker in the passing game, someone that we can depend on uh, to do something with the ball. And so Torrey Smith gives him that. I know his numbers in San Francisco the last couple of years haven't been great, but he was kind of coming into his own while he was at Baltimore. Maybe he gets a chance to kind of, I don't know, reprise his role as a playmaker in Philadelphia, one that was kind of lost during his time in San Francisco. Yeah, I like it. I think the price is right. I think it's relatively cheap when you look at some of these other receivers. And Torrey Smith, what he can do is stretch the field, and people point to that he had some drops last year. Uh, Look, you're playing on a crappy football team in San Francisco. He wasn't used to that coming from Baltimore. Quarterback play was average at best. I think you get a chance to see him stretch the field in Doug Peterson's offense. They desperately need some speed on the outside. He's not the number one. He's definitely not the number one. They need to still go out and find that guy. Uh, I think probably the draft would be the best place to do that unless they somehow land Alshon Jeffrey. But uh, uh, I I like the fit. And the thing about Torrey is, from talking to all the people in Baltimore, some of which who are now in Philadelphia, on the personnel side, he is a great leader in the room. So you've got somebody, maybe he can salvage a Nelson Aguilar, can help him grow as a wide receiver. So if Jordan Matthews there, we'll see what happens with him. But you've got some young players there, and I think having a strong veteran presence like Torrey Smith will be good for the room. And that's something that maybe you don't see when you look at a box score or you look at, uh, or you look at the tape. I think he'll help behind the scenes. Well, he absolutely is a pro, and the professionalism that he can show can certainly help Nelson Aguilar. He can help um, who's it? Dory Green Beckham, who's outside. It can also help Jordan Matthews. So now you have a, a stabilizing force in the old school guy. Um, I, kinda, I just like to pick. I like to move all the way around. Yep. All right, let's go. Uh, all right, here we go. Kenny Britt to Cleveland got a good chunk of money. Thoughts? Uh, I'm not loving this move. Um, I think you're going to go. Eh? You go. Yeah, eh? Eh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. Um, and maybe the dollar amount works better than what you get from Terrell Pryor. I think Terrell Pryor is actually a better player than Kenny Britt, even though he's only played a position a year and a half, two years. Kenny Britt to me doesn't offer anything. I don't think he's a number one. I think he's a number two at best. He's had some production, but some of that to me is kind of like garbage time production. I don't know if he has impact ability. And so for me, I would rather stick with Terrell Pryor because we've kind of developed him. We know exactly what he is and how we need to get him to the next level. With Kenny Britt, man, I just don't know. And he's been in the league for such a long time. I think what he is right now is what he's always going to be. Uh, Ditto. All right, Deshaun Jackson, Tampa Bay, something we saw coming for a long time. How do you like that one? I love it because uh, I think this move was necessary for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because what you have to assess now and looking at free agency and looking at the draft, if I can get Deshaun Jackson because the pool is a little shallower at wide receiver from a speed receiver standpoint, 
I now have a veteran player who's going to command a lot of attention. And when I pair him with Mike Evans, defensive coordinators have to make a decision who is the more dangerous guy. And so let's just say we'll go on record and say that based on Deshaun Jackson's history as a big play threat, he is going to command the double team. So now that means you're one-on-one with Mike Evans all day. Good luck with that, the way Jameis Winston and he have been able to connect. I like this move. If they can get a running back, because uh, even before Doug Martin's issues, I wasn't a huge fan of him being a, a dynamic or impact guy. If yeah. they can get a running back to go with that, now Jameis has what he needs to take his game up to the next level. How about we talked about it before. What about pairing him up with his old Florida State teammate, Dalvin Cook? See, now that's a completely different offense because that offense has a lot of sizzle, a lot of juice in all aspects. you got the speed on the outside and Deshaun Jackson. Their slot receiver, Adam Humphreys, is pretty good. You have Dalvin Cook who can play, he can catch it and run it out the backfield. I like that. And I think even if it's not him or another running back, I just believe with a, a big-time running back, that offense goes to the next level. All right, let's go uh, rapid fire here. We're going to wrap this thing up here. Treader, the center going to Cleveland. I like that move. They need some help in the interior. They, need some, they need some help. I think the big thing with Cleveland, you're seeing the fallout from being 1-15. They had a lot of people that left more money on the table to go elsewhere as opposed to going to Cleveland. It's funny, but, you know, perception is reality. When you lose a lot of games, people kind of view the organization as a losing and dysfunctional organization. They have to find some solid guys and find a way to make this work and then hopefully they win games on the field. Then the next go-around, when it comes to free agency, they'll be able to get some guys that want to come there. All right, two guys, Kyle Juszczyk and Pierre Garçon going to San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. Well, the Pierre Garçon uh, thing makes sense. Pierre Garçon knows the system, has been a very, very solid player in that system. You're trying to put together, trying to really build your culture. You want people to understand how you think, how you go about doing business. Pierre Garçon understands that from Kyle Shanahan's standpoint. Plus, he's pretty productive on the field. Not necessarily a number one, but a solid number two, a guy that can be a chain mover. Um, and you take, I, I just think it's interesting, the fullback. Um, check. Yeah, check. It's, it's, it's just interesting to bring him along. He's versatile. He can do a couple different things in terms of lineup at a fullback, at H-back, and doing some of those things. It gives Shanahan that peace that he needs to go 12 personnel and do some of the bootleg package and misdirection passing game that he likes to use. Yeah, had a pretty good fullback uh, last year in Atlanta. Um, how about uh, Rick Wagner, the right tackle, leaving Baltimore, going to Detroit? So they invested in the offensive line uh, pretty heavily over the last couple of years. A couple draft picks last year, including their left tackle out of Ohio State. Uh, and then now you pair him up with, the, with a young – they're building kind of a Big Ten offensive line here because they got Glasgow – They've got uh, – what, what, why am I blanking on my guy from Ohio State last year, their left tackle? Uh, Taylor Decker. Taylor Decker, and now you go get Ricky Wagner, who came from Wisconsin. So they're kind of building a Big Ten offensive line there with the Lions. And I think at some point with that Big Ten offensive line, they want to get to mashing people a little bit. I know the future is in your franchise quarterback, but you want to be able to run the football a little bit. They now shore up their biggest weakness. They need to find a running back, a big-time running back to go. So now they freeze them up at well, – I think they're at 21 – where they can invest in a running back, a big-time running back to take some of the pressure off Matthew Stafford. That offense was doing pretty well until he got hurt, hurt his thumb near the end of the year. If they can find a running back to add some balance, I think they're right on track. All right, how about uh, how about Tony Jefferson? Maybe the best, uh, probably the best safety in the market. Who's still young? I think 25 years old. I think he turned out. Looks like he turned out more money from Cleveland, something you referenced earlier, and goes to Baltimore to pair up with Eric Weddle. I love the move. I like his ability to come down in the box and kind of smack people around. It allows Eric Weddle to go back to the place where I think he's very, very comfortable at, which is the deep middle, being the post player. Um, 
veterans that still have some stuff to them. Tony Jefferson still has that chip on his shoulder. He can run around and make plays. Eric Whittle is just a cerebral playmaker in the back end. Natural ball hawk. He gets to be the center fielder. I like what Baltimore is doing in that guard on defense. So now they find a nice cornerback to go opposite Jimmy Smith. Now they're in business. Yeah, no, that'll help. Uh, you got two guys roving over the top there that are versatile too. I like that a lot. Um, looks like uh, Matt Khalil going to join his brother Ryan Khalil in Carolina. I don't like the move just because <laughs> I know Matt Khalil was the fourth pick in the draft many, many moons ago, and I know he gets to pair with his brother, but I don't think he can hold up at left tackle. And so for Cam Newton, who has struggled some on his own accord, some due to the offensive line, I believe they just have to do a better job of protecting him. I just don't know if Matt Khalil can do it. Maybe his brother can help him out, but the last two or three seasons, man, he has been – he's not been very good. Yeah, I get the uh, – maybe, maybe there's a brother factor that will help him out. They have not been good at tackle there in Carolina, though, so we'll see how that works. And then uh, a couple more here. Andrew Whitworth, who is older but just continues to play at a high level. I think he's a big upgrade for the Rams. I'd like the move. Yeah, I like the move because it's, it's a culture changer. He comes in. He's going to be the steady force, the presence. They've been very disappointed with what they got out of Greg Robinson at left tackle. Um, maybe he can come and help him straighten him out. If not, he can be the guy that shores up and protects Jerry Goff's backside. They are trying to become a team that starts to win. They've lost for a lot of years. You're trying to bring people in to kind of understand. And say what you want to about Cincinnati. They have won a lot of games over the last – five or six years, Andrew yep. Whitworth has been a big part of that as their leader. He gives them a natural leader that they can kind of lean on. How about uh, Kenny Stills? Looked like he had a pretty hot market, but he ended up staying there in Miami. You know, Kenny Stills is another reflection of what I talk about in the draft, the questions about whether they were speed receivers, impact receivers, playmakers. Kenny Stills was a vertical threat. He came over from New Orleans a couple years ago, and he really kind of settled into that role as their designated deep threat. I like the move because it keeps – all of Ryan Tannehill's main weapons there together. They continue to grow together. There's already a chemistry there. So now when Ryan Tannehill gets back from his injury, he knows that he's worked with all of these guys. The learner curve is there. They can just continue to build upon what they did in Adam Gase's first season. Yeah, they'll be an exciting team to watch as we go into next year. All right, Buck, we kind of went rapid fire through a bunch of signs. There's going to be a bunch more here. Uh, we'll have a chance to jump into that next week. Kind of a shorter episode today. I got to get in the car and hustle up there. Uh, to get up there to do a little studio work tonight. I know you're running around today, so it's that time of year. It's busy. Monday, though, we will uh, we'll kick off path to the draft. And, man, we, if we don't see enough of each other already, Buck. Oh, so, man, it's going to be exciting. Got a lot of stuff to do. A lot of stuff to oh, do. Yeah. You got a lot going on, but it's going to be fun, man. I think this is shaping up to be a great draft. Uh, free agency kind of shook things up a little bit. We'll change those mock drafts. I think I have a new one coming out early next week. Um, so be on the lookout for that and keep all your positive comments uh, to yourself. Just send me the negative stuff. Because <laughs> all right. Hey, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for, thanks for all the reviews and comments you guys have been leaving on iTunes. Those numbers keep going up and up and uh, helps us get the word out here about the Move the Sticks podcast. But we'll be back next week with a fresh new episode of Move the Sticks. Also going to have our first video show next week for quite some time. So be on the lookout for that. For Bucky Brooks, I'm DJ. We'll catch you later. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 